You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host... What's up, everyone? This is Alex, your host, and today we're going to be talking about your emergency fund. Now, thus far in the podcast, we've talked about tracking your spending, using that information to make a budget, editing your budget to where it's something more in line with what you want, and giving yourself some breathing room at the end of the month so that you have some extra money each month. Now we're going to start our series on savings, which is the third and arguably most important part of anyone's budget. And we're going to do that justice by having a four-part mini-series. There's going to be this episode for the emergency fund, an episode for a 401k, an episode for an IRA, and another episode for an HSA. And before we go any farther, I want to take a moment and hope that the audio for this episode is sounding quite a bit better from last episode and certainly better from the episode before. I went ahead and I have about 25 square feet of acoustical foam spread throughout my room in strategic locations. So I'd like to thank you guys for staying with me through a couple episodes of some rough audio. And here's to the future, hoping we can continue learning together without having some scraping sounds in our ears. Now, let's go ahead and get into the subject matter today of the emergency fund. Now, we already talked about a little bit of what it is. It's just some liquid money that you have sitting around in case of an emergency. And you should really have it because the rule of Murphy's Law is that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So it's always a good idea to have that rainy day fund sitting around just in case. And the next question you're going to want to answer is how much of an emergency fund do you want? Now, the standard guidance that is given by financial planners is to have between three and six months of your expenses saved up. Now, that's going to be expenses and not your income. So just because you make, say, $4,000 a month doesn't mean you multiply that by three and say your emergency fund has to be $12,000. That's going to be expenses. So if you make $4,000 a month and thanks to your budgeting and your spending tracking, you're spending $3,000 a month and that $1,000 is just play money that you have at the end of the day, or money that should be going towards savings or investing. Your monthly expenses are $3,000 a month. So if you wanted a three-month emergency fund, that is going to be $9,000. Now, the range of three months to six months is quite wide for most people. So there are a couple things you're going to want to look at to determine if you're going to want closer to the three months or if you're going to want closer to the six months. The first thing you're going to want to look at is your balance between fixed costs and variable costs in your budget. Now, what do I mean by that? Fixed costs are costs that do not change month to month. For example, your mortgage, or if you're renting, your rent. Chances are you have a fixed amount that rain or shine, summer, winter, whatever, you have a certain dollar amount that you're going to pay every month. That is what we would call a fixed expense. A variable expense is something that you have some control over. Chances are you have a lot of control over it. That's going to be stuff like your grocery bill or your gas. So for your grocery bill, you can choose to, say, be a vegetarian for a month to save money or just cut down on the steaks, cut down on the ice cream, whatever it is. You can eat different things to save yourself some money. It's the same thing with the gas. 
You can change to carpooling. You can maybe take a shorter route. Maybe you can take less trips. There are some things that you can do to lower that expense. So those are what we'd call variable expenses. Now, if you have a very high amount of fixed expenses, you're going to want more of an emergency fund, closer to that six-month mark. However, if you have a lot of variable expenses or stuff that you can cut out like, say, Netflix or Hulu, anything like that, if you have stuff like that in there that can simply be cut in case of an emergency, you can probably have closer to the three-month mark because you can cut down on your budget substantially to be able to save you some money should the worst-case thing happen. The next thing to decide if you want between three or six months is going to be how stable your income is. For example, if you're a retail worker, as we've seen with COVID-19, retail workers can get hours cut, they can come into work less, they can get laid off. It all just depends. Now, if you're someone who works for the government, chances are you have a very stable job. So if your job is more stable, you can get away with having less of an emergency fund. If you have a more, let's say, variable or higher risk job, say you work in insurance as a salesman, or if you work in any industry as a salesman, because you're kind of eating what you kill, so to speak, and living off of commissions, you're going to want a higher emergency fund. Now, besides your balance of fixed to non-fixed costs and your income stability, the third thing you really want to look at when determining how much of an emergency fund you should have is going to be your own personal comfort. I've said it before on the podcast, I'll go ahead and say it for the first time on this episode, personal finance is personal. So if you do the math and you find out that you have $3,000 a month in expenses and a six-month emergency fund is only $18,000, but you don't feel comfortable with that, that's okay. If you want to have $15,000 in account, if you want to have $20,000 in account, if you want to have $25,000 in an account, it's not a problem. This is your thing. If you feel safe having more money saved away, that's perfectly fine. I'm not going to come chase you down. I'm not going to complain. If that's what you want, that's what you want. And that's what we're here for. Now, for the second half of this episode, I want to talk about where we should be putting the emergency fund. I could think of four different places you can reasonably put it. And I'll give you a hint, under your mattress is not one of them. The first is going to be your bank savings account. Now, this has some obvious pros, such as you're already familiar with the bank, you're already familiar with the app for the bank. Chances are they can link it together to your app, to your website, however you look at it. And honestly, it's just going to be the easier way. But just because it's the easiest way doesn't necessarily mean it's the best. Personally, I don't recommend having it in a savings account at your bank because you see it. When you log into your app and you're checking the balance in your checking account to see if you can afford something or just checking in to see what's going on, you're going to see that money in your savings account. You're going to see that number jump out at you, and that might give you a certain sense of security that might lead you to overspend. Now, that's just a psychology hypothesis that I have, but personally, I don't keep my savings account in the same bank that I use my checking with. So that brings us to option number two. Option number two is an online high-yield savings account. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be online, but typically that's what's said because the best offers are going to be online. Now, for most of these banks, they do not have physical branches. And because they don't have physical branches, they don't have to maintain a building. They don't have to build a building or buy a building. They don't have to fill those buildings with tellers, managers, bankers. And because they have less expenses, they're able to have lower interest rates on loans and higher interest rates on deposits because they have less expenses. 
So this leads them to be ideal for making a return. But if you're that kind of person that wants that personable connection to where you can walk into a bank, if you need that to feel comfortable, this might not be the option for you. However, you can make some additional money doing it. The third option out there is going to be a CD. A CD is a certificate of deposit. The certificate of deposit is, or a CD, is you get a higher interest rate, but in return, you are promising the bank that you are not going to touch that money for a certain period of time. Now, it's important to remember how banks operate. What they do is they take deposits from people that have extra money, whether that's putting it in your checking account or your savings account, and they take that money and they loan it out to people who need money, such as entrepreneurs or big business or even governments. So they charge a high interest rates on whoever's getting those loans, and then they pay you a lower interest rate because they're using your money to make money. So you get your cut, but because they're doing all the work, they take the lion's share of it. So if they have less expenses, the bank can get away with giving you a higher interest rate without it hurting their bottom line. Now, with a CD, the bank doesn't have to worry about you coming and taking out all your money all of a sudden. Now, you still can do that with a CD, but there's a penalty. So they're sort of covered. It's their sort of insurance to make sure that even though they gave you that higher interest rate, they still get some of that back if you come in and all of a sudden take it away. It's a give or take. They give you a higher interest rate, but you have restricted access to the funds. Now, if you're going to go with the CD strategy, I highly recommend you have some money, maybe a one-month or a two-month emergency fund in savings, and then everything above that in a CD. So if you're one of those people that likes to have more than six months, this might be for you. You can have some of your savings liquid in a savings account at your bank where you're most comfortable or in a high-yield savings account, whichever you prefer, and then have the remainder in a CD where it can make a higher interest rate. So let's go ahead and talk about number four. Option number four here is going to be money market funds. Now, a money market fund works sort of similar to a savings account in a CD. While a CD will restrict you for when and where you can touch that money, what a money market does is it encourages you to have a higher amount of money there. So you'll notice that the minimums on money market funds are going to be much higher than any other kind of account. Well, it's because they're trying to get you the other way, so to say. So CDs, they want to make sure you're not coming to touch your money for a certain amount of time. For a money market fund, they want you to give them more money because the more money you give them, the more they're able to loan out, the more money they're able to make. Because they're able to make more money off of you giving them more money, they're willing to give you more profits. And by that, I mean a higher interest rate. Now, I want you to think about the thing I mentioned with all four of those options. All four of those options, the biggest thing I highlighted was the interest rate. Because what happens is, besides the savings account, you are being paid a higher interest rate with each of those other options because you are being constrained in some way. With the online bank account, you are unable to walk into a physical branch and talk to somebody should something happen. And for that, you get paid more. With the CDs, you are unable to go in and get your money at any time until the certain term that you agreed to is passed, and for that, you're paid a higher interest rate. For the money market account, you are paid a higher interest rate because you give them more money, which constrains you because you can do only limited withdrawals out of that account. Now, the big focus most people have on this is rate. Now, I want to float a different idea for you. Dave Ramsey would tell you that the interest rate on your emergency fund doesn't matter, and I partially agree with him. Now, 
this is your emergency fund. Let's remember what the purpose of this is. The emergency fund is there just in case. Your emergency fund is not there to get you rich. Your emergency fund is there in case you pop a flat and all of a sudden have to buy a new tire. So should it make you nothing? No. Should it make you that 0.06%? That's the current national average interest rate as of this recording? No, I think that's ridiculous when you could have an online savings account and make one and a quarter, one and a half, whatever the going rate is. It is also an important note that besides the CDs, all of those interest rates are variable. As those of you know, going through COVID-19, a lot of your savings accounts, you've been getting a lot of emails and or letters lately saying that the interest rates on several of your accounts have been dropped. Well, unfortunately, with interest rates acting like they are, that's kind of necessary for banks to survive and is just a demonstration of how these kinds of things can backfire. Keep in mind when you're deciding where you're going to put your emergency fund that the rate shouldn't matter too much. Overall, keep in mind that the average inflation rate for the U.S. is 3%, and the Federal Reserve targets for 2% every year. Because of that, not many of these accounts are going to give you an amount to beat inflation. At best, you're going to match, unless you go with something like a five-year CD, which if you're going with a five-year CD and something just in case happens, or you get that flat tire, that CD is going to be worthless. Now, the one exception to that is a lot of banks nowadays are coming out with no-penalty CDs, which means, unlike normal CDs, you can put in the money, and then if you have to take it out early, you do not get penalized. Now, of course, since you're being constrained less, the reward is less. So on average, on those no-penalty CDs, you're going to get less of an interest rate than with the regular CDs. Just pay attention. Don't go chasing those rates because you're just going to go down a rabbit hole, and this isn't the money maker. The thing that's going to make you money is going to be investing. And putting money into a savings account is not investing. Alrighty, and I think we're going to go ahead and end it there. I'd like to thank all of my listeners out there. Thank you so much for the feedback I've gotten. I appreciate everything. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. And don't forget to tune in next week where we'll be going into 401ks. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.